0: Well here this morning, I just want to begin to talk about just some vision and some things that God is doing here here at the church. And 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 I just want to communicate, it's kind of gonna be a, a little bit different message than what I'm actually used to, right? I'm I'm not typically used to kind of like preach teaching and instructing, right? But I did. I worked in the oil field. For those of you who don't know, I worked in the oil field for probably, I don't know, close to 20 years. I was a fishing tool guy and the last several years of that I was in kind of a, a an executive corporate type sales role where I would go into office buildings and give presentations technical presentations so I'm not a stranger to technical presentations but man they can be a little boring right so I'm going to try to not make this too boring but I have some information that I need to transfer to you amen and, and I'll, I'll tell you why it's important that we understand information how many of you by a show of hands have ever been, to Disney World. Great. So you're going to know a little bit of what I'm talking about. I'm not going to ask who hasn't been to Disney World because that would just be depressing. I want you if you've never been to Disney World, you're not really missing a whole lot, kind of. I mean, it depends really because because I mean, could you imagine going to Disney World as I did? I went to Disney World before. I've been more than one time and and the first time I went to Disney World, basically I just bought tickets and just kind of showed up at the front gate. And, and it was like this, this whole thing about frustration. I mean, I would walk around from ride to ride, and I'd get to the ride, it's like, oh, an 80-minute line here. It's, it's 900 degrees. I didn't realize that the food was like $50 a person to eat, and, and you had to pay to park, and you had to do all. Like, I didn't know. I just showed up without any knowledge. And to be honest, my first trip to Disney World was pretty much miserable. Uh, although I mean it was it was awesome for other people and I saw other people having a great time and for me I'm just like because I was confused I didn't know what was happening I was just showing up and and it was like boom it was it was not the best experience that I can probably have and and then this past year me and Shannon and the kids had the opportunity to go back to Disney World but this time I made some phone calls and I I called some friends of mine who've been to Disney World multiple times. In fact, I had one friend of mine who actually works at Disney World, and she came and visited with us, and she said, okay, you need to go do this, you need to do this, you need to not do this, and you need to buy this pass, and do all these other things. And then I went back to Disney World the second time, and you know what, it was like a completely different experience. It was like, wow, this was uh, this was actually fun. I was the one kind of like skipping lines and doing all that stuff, and really experiencing the fullness of all that Disney World had to offer. And and uh, but the the reality is, is both of my although one experience was not so good, and one experience was pretty stinking good. It was still the same Disney World. It's not like Disney World got better. It was just the same Disney World. Just the difference was, is one I was unprepared, and then the second time I went. I was prepared. I was ready. I had some knowledge. I had a guide. I had some perspective that I didn't have before. And and I believe that church can sometimes be the same way. Like we can just show up on Sunday morning, but we don't really know what's going on. We don't really know what people believe. We don't really know where the care house is. We don't know what care groups are, discipleship groups are, or the 16 fundamental doctrines of the of the assemblies of God. We don't know what that is. We don't know what bylaws and memberships and and children's ministry and what the world is. District one anyway. And where's the warehouse? You know, and and why are they using acronyms and this and that? It just becomes confusing and we get frustrated. and We just say, you know what? Maybe church just isn't for me. So I want to kind of change that a little bit today and and just share a little bit about the vision of who we are, so that way you can get the most out of what God would want to do in your life. You know, it's not just about connecting to the church. The church is just a conduit. It's a vessel, right? It's just a vessel. Have you ever tried to, to, to carry water in a colander? I mean, all, all you, you get frustrated and you just make a mess all over somebody else's floor. You know, and sometimes, sometimes church can feel like that. It's just you, you put a bunch of effort and water and all this other stuff and you try to carry water in it. You try to use this vessel, but it's just got a bunch of holes in it and you just end up being frustrated and frustrating everybody around you. And, and I don't. I I want to stop. The church is just a vessel. The goal is that we become a vessel for the Holy Spirit to dwell and that we begin to live lives that are fulfilled and lives that are close to God, that we can feel the presence of God in our daily lives But but the church, it seems like the church has just set up God as some, you know, some entity somewhere in far off cosmos that that really just gives us a set of rules. And the and the role of the church is just to enforce the rules that God sends us. But how many of you realize that God's not just a set of rules that the church is meant to enforce? Come on, God is is like the creator of the heavens and the earth who created us in his image and likeness and the church's mission in the world is to fulfill the fullness of our calling within the earth. But we were created to have dominion. Man, okay. Y'all going to have to talk back to me. I am, listen, I know it's Sunday morning, but we're going to preach and y'all going to preach too, amen? Come on. I mean, look, the more excited you get, the more excited I get, the more fun that we're going to have. I mean, it's, it's powerful. And let me tell you, vision is important. The church, in fact, is going to be celebrating, keep the first assembly, is going to be celebrating 70 years of ministry here in, in Acadiana. Man, that's exciting. Come on, let's give a, a, God a, a hand clap of praise. August the 25th, you know, Pastor King, 70 years ago, came with a vision, right? To be a spirit-filled, Pentecostal, born-again, Full gospel church in Acadiana where they there wasn't no full gospelness in Acadiana at that time. There, there it wasn't, he was the first one, he was a pioneer, right? Come on, I want us to continue to have that pioneering spirit within this church that we're planting churches throughout Acadiana, that it doesn't just stop with these pews. You know, this church has a pioneering spirit, not a settling spirit, right? You know the difference between a pioneer and a settler pioneers are going to places that nobody's there. Settlers are just squatters. I don't want to settle. I want to pioneer. I want to begin to move the ball, continue the vision that, that, that the church began. And that vision for our church, if we had to just put a, a, a statement on it, is a place to meet with God, right? But man, I, I for four years, I've been thinking about like, what in the world does that even mean? Like a place to meet with God. I mean, I get it. It's like the you know, it's where we come and we sing and maybe every now and again we'll get like a chill bump or a fleece you know, or something like that. You know, that's it. God, is that you? I don't believe that's what it is. Come on, how many of y'all know that in, in, in the book of first Corinthians chapter six, Paul admonishes the church. He says, don't you know that the, the spirit of the living God dwells with if Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, the the, the aspect of a place to meet with God is because you're here and God lives in you and when we come together, where two or three are gathered together in my name, church happens. It says that God dwells in their presence. I mean, that's what it means to be a place to meet with God. And and, and I just want to, man, how do we do that in some practical ways? How do we we really become a church that's effectively reaching and fulfilling the commission that Jesus gave us? Because let me tell you, It's not like Jesus just did a bunch of stuff and said, okay, guys, good luck. Y'all, y'all, good luck. I'll come back in a couple of thousand years or whatever. That's not what happened. Jesus actually, he said, listen, he says, he says, I I, got to go away. He said, but don't, don't fret. Don't worry. I'm sending another, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who's going to allow you to empower you to be my witnesses. He's given us an assignment. He's commissioned us for a purpose come come on I mean I I, I I love I love oil field work but I mean I I love carpentry work I love cutting grass I love doing all those things but I'm a Christian first I'm a believer first I'm a child of God first I want to just go quickly to the book of Luke uh, I don't have this on my notes because. Sorry, sound booth, but this is just something God just kind of, is is like an anchor verse for me, and and I I wanted to make sure and share it. In in Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's not going to be on the screen. I didn't give it to the sound booth. It's not their fault. It's my fault. In in Luke chapter 5, it says this. It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Let me. I just want to take a pause right there, just for a minute. Like, if we really want to begin to reach the multitudes, this is the formula that Jesus left us. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's not like the church has to just come up with a different program. It's the, the, the program is there. The program is Jesus. It's the Word of God, and the multitudes gather to hear what? Not Jesus. They gather to hear the Word of God. And, and so to continue, it says, And that he stood by the lake, this being Jesus, the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Tiberias, they're both the same place if you're a Bible nerd, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes, from the boat. This is where I really want to focus a little bit here for a moment. In, in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, it says this, and when he, being Jesus, when he stopped speaking, come on, look at your neighbor and say, stop speaking. Well, look at your other neighbor and say, stop speaking. When Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Come on, I I just want to kind of sit on this for a few minutes, you see, because this was a revelation for me here this morning, and I'm hoping it can be a revelation for you. Jesus had just spent an incredible amount of time teaching the multitudes, talking to them about the word. It says, but there came a point in time where Jesus stopped speaking. You see, I think we're still sitting there. Jesus has stopped speaking. We're still sitting there waiting for a word from him. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking today, but what I'm saying is, is Jesus has stopped speaking. He's given us instructions. He's given us the formula. He's given us the power, the Holy Spirit. It's like he has done his job. And Jesus stopped speaking in that moment. And it was like he looked at Peter. He says, now, launch out into the deep. You see, sometimes we just come to church and we come to church and we come to church and we come to church. And it's like, I want to hear a good word. I want to hear the Bible. I want to pray. I want to sing. That's all good. But there comes a time when the music is over and the praying is over. And Pastor Joe says amen. And it's time for us to stop speaking and launch out into the deep. What is the deep? The deep is the place that you've never been before. Well, the deep is the place of uncertainty. It's the place of risk. It's the pra- Maybe it's a place you've been before, but you've suffered a lack of success. Peter he launched out there, and, and, and Jesus, he told Peter, he, uh, Peter told Jesus, he said, but Jesus, we've been fishing all night. We've been trying over and over again. He says, go again. Come on, for some of you, that's a word today. Keep going. Go again. Go back to downtown Lafayette preaching the gospel. Go share the message with, the, with, your, waiter, with your waiter or your waitress. Go back to the, to the Sunday school class. Keep going back. Launch out into the deep over and over again. And I feel like that's kind of where we are. Like we we talk about things and we talk about things, but there comes a time when the talking needs to cease and we need to launch out into the deep and God's going to begin to bring an increase in our life and in our ministry. Man, my goal in this church is not just to put a bunch of people in seats. It's to, it's to actually reach the community with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people aren't chasing after things that don't matter. launch out into the deep launch out into the deep and that's kind of where our vision articulates from is this this aspect of of what does that mean to go into the deep and if if i think about our our vision of our church is to be a place to meet with god but you know our mission is to is to is to is to, to launch into the deep is to go and do the ministry that god's called us to and god's kind of revealed to me this this uh, this acronym for deep, and it's not so much like a program, right? I mean, I don't really do programs. It's more like a, it's not a program, it's a philosophy of ministry. It's a philosophy, it's a perspective of how we live our life. That that we should be, that we should have, live a life of, and have a ministry where we're discipling people. So that's the the first slide. You can put the deep slide up there if you want to. That's the first perspective of, of deep, is discipleship. Disci- how are we discipling people? This is a, a challenge that, that God had, had given me some, several years ago. How do we disciple people? Man, that's been, a, a, it's been a, a challenge. Maybe some of you are like, Joe, it's so simple. But I'm like, try pastoring a few hundred people and tell me how simple it is to effectively disciple people. But I believe that God's never in my entire life have I been so clear about exactly what that's going to look like. I'm excited to share it here, to, here, here today. Uh, the second one is 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 education. You know, it's like my people perish for a lack of knowledge. It says in Hosea chapter four, verse six. It's like we need to have an understanding that without knowledge we perish. Discipleship and knowledge or discipleship and education are kind of almost the same, but they're not quite the same. Man, it used to be a country song. You know, you got to stand for something or you fall for anything. That was my best. That's not my best country interpretation. I can actually do much better country. You want me to do it? The best country, Shannon? Oh, no, Shannon's like, no. no. But it's like, you got to know what you believe and know why you believe it. I, the, one of the symptoms of a lack of knowledge is just the craziest, the craziness that's going on in the world today. Like, we don't have a solid base of, of, of understanding, a solid base of knowledge. That's not just built upon our own. Come on, if you can derive at truth on your own. I'm not trying to say that you can't. But the truth is is that like your truth isn't the truth. The truth is the word of God. And if you're not like bouncing the truth off of other people and you can come up to like a conclusion of truth, let me tell you this. I, I, this is just a maybe this is revelation for somebody. Okay. I'm not speaking to anyone. So I'm not going to look at anybody. I'm just going to look back here and say you don't know it all. And there are things that you don't know. And if I'm honest, you're wrong about some things. And the sooner that you can deal with being wrong, the better off you're going to be. Okay. Everybody feel better? I'm wrong on some things. I, I mean, there are some, like, biblical truth that I'm just wrong, straight out. I'm working on it. It's a process. Evangel- evangelization, evangelism, praise God. You know, like a, like a church that doesn't share its faith is not really a church at all. A Christian that doesn't share their faith is not really a Christian. I mean, imagine this: if I was, if if I was in a burning building, I mean, we use this analogy a lot. Actually, I, just a really quick testimony. One time, I was driving down the road and I saw a house on fire. Like this is a real story. It was early, early, early in the morning. Like 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm driving down the road. There's a house on fire. I pull off the side of the road. I call 911, and I didn't just call 911 and drive off. Like, I did, I mean, I could have, I guess, but I was like, man, there might be somebody in this house, and I'm going through this incredible, like, okay, am I going to run into the house? Am I not? I know they tell you don't go into burning houses, but, Lord, I there might be people in this house. So I'm driving by. It's right there on... Uh, Shimon Mettery Parkway, for all of those don't, who don't know how to really say that word, Shimon Mettery is how you say it. I was on Shimon Mettery, right there. It wasn't on the parkway. It was on the, the old part portion of it. I pull off to the side of the road and I like call 911. I'm like, okay, we're sitting in the fire department. I'm like, okay. So I just like kind of walk around the front door and the front door is just barely open, you know, like just a crack, you know, and I, and I kind of look in and I see the house is just ablaze with flames. It's a kitchen fire, right? Grease fire. And I look on the ground, I see somebody's leg right there. you know. And it's not like I'm just sitting there, oh, Lord Jesus, would you protect this person until the fire department gets here? I mean, come on, I, I push the door open, grab the dude's leg and drag him out of the house. And it, but praise God, he lived. But I mean, that's kind of how our Christian faith is. It's like, man, there's this entire world around us that is that is destined for certain doom and destruction at some certain point in the future. And it's like, We have this knowledge of salvation and more importantly, this ability to reach them with the gospel. We can reach the addicts with the gospel, the prostitutes with the gospel, the hungry with the gospel, the lonely with the gospel, the orphan with the gospel. I mean, that's the message in the ministry of the church to launch out into the deep to evangelize. Evangelization can look like just standing on a street corner with a PA system, you know, preaching. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. But it's not, I mean, that's one way. It's not the only way. I mean, Jesus says, whoever gives a glass of cold water to one of the least of these has done that unto me. You can literally evangelize the world just by helping feed the hungry. Finally, pastoral care is just loving one another, you know, just being part of a community of believers and pastoring one another, taking care of one another, being there for one another. I had the opportunity just the other day to go pray with Cameron. And man, what a, what a this, you know, a young man who's who's struggling with some issues in life and, you know, and he's hit rock bottom is it's just to say, to go and pray with him say, hey man, do you trust and believe in Jesus? And he's, yes. And tears begin to form in his eyes. I mean, that's powerful. That's, and, and that's not, look, the pastor isn't just for Joe or Daryl or Desmond or Travis or Ross or Seth. It's every one of us are called to care for one another. It's not like Jesus wrote portions of the Bible for pastors and other portions of the Bible for believers. No, it's all for us. Our job is just simply the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm just here to, to give a little instruction and guidance to be a leader, to listen to God and give some instruction. I believe that's what we're doing today. But it's important that we have vision, right? It's important that we understand what are we trying to accomplish. Why? This is, these are some of the common concerns that I hear. As a pastor, I hear this all the time. They, people say, well, I, you know, I don't really feel like I belong. I'm, I'm going to just say this right now, and I will look at all of you. If I could just sit here and make eye contact with every single one of you. I mean, it would take some time, but, but like you belong here. You are loved here. You know, I mean, you are connected to the body of Christ here. Well, just this is what I want you to do. Just reach your hand and touch the shoulder of the person next to you. Just touch their shoulder. Okay, you can take your hand off. Don't leave it too long. That gets weird. Just a touch. Say, hey, and just let them know you belong here. Okay. I mean, it's just that simple belonging. Uh, here's, a, here's another concern that I, that I deal with. I don't know how to read my Bible. Man, there was a a point in time in my life, and still, there's some aspects of the Word that's just a mystery to me. You know, you get caught up into the prophets, and it's like, whoa, man, eyes and wings, and what in the world are we talking about? I mean, I understand it now, but like, you know, some people just, they don't read their Bible because they don't know how to read their Bible. So I want to help you today. I want to teach you how to read your Bible. I want to help you read your Bible. Thank you, Jesus. I don't understand what the Bible's saying. Well, that's okay. Listen, the Pharisees had the entire Old Testament memorized. Think about that. They were religious leaders. They were trained up. Paul, Saul, was trained up and mentored and discipled under the instruction of Gamaliel. right? He was like, I mean, Paul was a Benjamite, a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was educated, but he didn't understand the Bible either. In reality, because he was He was challenging the church. It wasn't until he had a revelation knowledge of who Jesus was that his heart began to be transformed. Now he can understand the Old Testament and the Scriptures. You see, the truth is, as many people try to understand the Bible outside of the context of who Jesus is. They they try to read Old Testament things. I'm not saying the Old Testament is is irrelevant now. Actually, now it's just revelation because it all points to Jesus. Every verse, every word, every tot and every jot and diddle, tittle, whatever it is. All of it points to Jesus. Some of us say things like, I'm not sure that I believe all that stuff. That's okay. I was an unbeliever too. But like, as you begin to study, as you begin to pray, as you begin to belong, as you begin to part, become part of the vision of a church, man, faith begins to rise up into you. And when faith begins to rise, miracles begin to take place. Some may say there's not enough activities at the church. These are some of the concerns I've heard for the, my entire family. I've been working diligently to, to minister to the entire family. In fact, that's one of our, our goals, one of our missions. It's one of the things that I do very intentionally about equipping kids, children, right? I, I'm almost convinced that like we're, we have about a 20-year delay in seeing the fullness of what God meant for the church in the world because we have to train up these kids to go and be conquerors. We're just passing torches and passing batons. and Amen. So what's the, what's the vision of the church? And we're going to go into this. I want to look at Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Ma- mainly, yeah, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And this will just kind of be our anchor verse here for this morning. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'm going to just read 18 just because it's so good. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's an important understanding. Jesus has all the authority. So he's saying, I can give this to you, right? He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age amen it, it, see this is this is what's called in in biblical terminology the great the great Commission right and this it's not like the great Commission was these are Jesus like last words to his disciples while he was on the earth he's encouraging him he's saying go therefore and make disciples of all nations He's like, go therefore. And I mean, we try to minimize that, like in your going, some people may say, like in your going, but I believe you need to be a a little bit more intentional than that. Like you ought to have a plan. Like I'm going to to lunch today, but I'm not going to eat. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to help make disciples. I'm going to begin to own the commission of the church in my life. I mean, listen, you can't call yourself a Christian and ignore the things that Christ said to do. The term Christian was first penned at Antioch, and it simply meant this, those who were like Christ. It's just a term of like, hey, you're Christian, you're Christ-like. These are Christ-like people. They're Christians. You can't be Christ-like. You can't be Christian if you're not like Christ. Christ was a disciple-maker. He gave us a mission. He gave us a purpose. He says, go and make disciples. And you can see how this really ties into our our vision for the the church, to make disciples of all nations. This is discipleship. It's not a program. It's not something something that we do. It's who we are. It's a mandate from heaven, right? Jesus, when he first came to earth, it it wasn't like he went and established himself in the temple. He went and established himself on the seashore into the lives of other people who would later become his disciples. Jesus simply went to Peter and Andrew and James and John and, and Nathaniel and Philip and all of these, and he said, Come and follow me. Come and be like me, because he knew that I wasn't, he wasn't going to be doing this for long. Our, our mission isn't just to get people to come to church, but it's to get people to begin to become disciples of Jesus. You know, the challenge in discipleship is this: is who's going to carry the mantle if the Lord should tarry? You know, this is this is. I mean, what happens if Jesus doesn't come back tomorrow? I mean, you know, we pray, Jesus, come back today. Lord, come back tomorrow, next week. What if it's 20 years? What if it's 30 years? What if it's 40 years? Are we discipling our children to carry the mantle of the gospel? Listen, if you go to England right now, Great Britain, which was was one of the greatest mission-sending countries the world has ever seen, less than 2% of the entire population goes to church or calls themselves Christians. In fact, if you go to Germany, another I mean, that's where the Reformation took place. I found out this out recently, that, that so many people in Germany, if you say you're a Christian, then they actually take your tithe out of your check, like taxes, and they send that to the church. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad it didn't work like that. But because of that, people are just they begin to say, oh, well, they just put none on their tax return and they leave the church. It's like the church is dying in other countries. And and we're just a couple of generations from that. If we don't take up the mantle of the gospel and begin to disciple our children, begin to disciple our young adults, begin to disciple our. If we don't become discipled, come on, the gospel is lost. Well, I don't really believe that. I believe that God will just raise up someone else to do it. He says that we should teach them to observe all things that, that I have commanded you. Education, you know, part of the education is part of the discipleship journey. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. We need to get involved in education. You know, we have all kinds of opportunities here at the church. He says, go therefore, Evangel- evangelism. We're not called to a stagnant approach to ministry. We're called to go. I mean, the worst thing I can do is, hey, we can get more people in the church. Maybe we just have a better worship team. Maybe we got a better, more flashy pastor. Maybe if we just got a better building, we can get, you'll get some people, okay? But the truth is, is that we're not going to get their hearts. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's pastoral care. This is what sets the church apart from other Organizations that we actually love one another. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay. I'm just going to level with you for just a moment. You're sitting down. I'm going to sit down. This is the leveling part, right? This is leveling right here, being honest, being real. Jesus says that, that we are known as his disciples in the world because of the love that we have for one another. Okay, I want you to just let that sink in for a little bit. We love one another. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Come on, make it awkward. Come on, look at your other neighbor that ain't your wife and say, I love you. Come on, look at that dude next to you with the beard and say, I love you, James. I love you, man. It's okay. That's what sets us apart from the world, that we have love for one another. But, man, there's a a saying, and and I'm, I'm almost certain it's true that Christianity is one of the only organizations in the world that shoots its injured. It's like, man, somebody messes up. Oh, you know, I had some marital infidelity. Ah, kick them out of the church. Uh, oh, you know, uh, I had a, I went on a weekend bender, got drunk or stoned, you know, psh, done with it. No, I mean that's what the church does, but no, don't stop doing that. It's like Jesus says that we'll be known by what? By our love for one another. Like, like your ability to be nice and kind and all that stuff is great, but it's not what determines my love, my level of love for any of you. I love you because, well, first of all, I love Jesus, and Jesus told me to love you, but he actually put a burden in my heart to love people. So let that be our signature. i got to preach until the baptism is full, so. It's got that much left. All right. The Great Commission. Just real simply, if you want to write these down, the great commandment kind of ties into what I just said in Matthew 22, 38 through 40. This is a man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. See, the great commission to go to, to, to evangelize, to disciple, to educate, and to pastor. deep. The, the great commandment is to love each other. To love God, come worship, but love others. And then the great commitment. And it's in John 21, 15 through 17. I'm not going to read it all, but essentially Jesus is telling Peter, who's kind of the leader at the church at the time, to take care of the people in the church. He's like, if you love me, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my lambs, he says, feed my sheep, Uh, all these things. He's saying, take care of each other, right? That's part of the pastoral care aspect of what we do. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So just to help, so that's kind of the vision part, right? I want to give a little bit of instruction and some guidance. What does that look like? How do we accomplish that? How How do we disciple people? And this is kind of what I came up with. First of all, I had to define what is discipleship. and There's a ton of different definitions, but this is kind of the definition that I came up with. So so discipleship is this. What is discipleship? Discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through authentic relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit to reproduce faithful followers of Christ. Okay? That's kind of the definition that we've come up with is discipleship is intentionally, it's being intentional. It's actually making yourself available. It's freeing up time in your busy schedule for other people. I mean, aren't you glad that Jesus made time in his busy schedule, you know, ruling and reigning the entire universe to come and die on a cross for you? And, And he's like, make disciples. How do you do that? Make a little time in your schedule for other people. And, and I'll say this, if, if you don't have time to be discipled, you ain't got time to disciple others. Discipleship's intentionally equipping believers. It's, it's giving them the tools and the equipment that they need, right? It's like, man, it's like saying, what, what do I, it's equipping, right? Can you imagine sending an army? I mean, like you, there's, there's been many wars fought on the backs of highly trained men. But it's not like you just take all these guys, you get them all riled up against the enemy, and you say, okay, everybody line up. All right, go kill all of them, right? No, that would be a suicide mission. I mean, that's kind of how the church acts. Like, we get people saved, and we give them a few words, and then we say, okay, now go conquer the world. I mean, actually, Jesus says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves, right? And it's the role of the pastor to equip the church, the those who are in the, in the church for the for the ministry, right? And, and we need to have some training, some discipleship. How do we, how do, we do that? It's, just, it's, in, it's intentional. It's equipping. It's preparing. It's training. It's having your heart transformed. It's not just getting some head knowledge about the Bible. My pastor used to say, most Christians will miss eternity with Jesus by 18 inches, right? It's the rough distance between your head and your heart. It's actually having a heart change for the gospel. And being intentional about it. it, it it's, it's, we, we equip believers. How? Through the word of God. It's the Bible that equips believers. Man, you know, we spent a, a week in prayer this, this past week. And it wasn't like we didn't spend a whole lot of time praying for the sick. We didn't spend a whole lot of time praying for the homeless. For the, we did pray for the lost. But we didn't pray for the addicted and all these other things. And, and there's a reason why I chose to not take that approach. It's because sometimes when we put our focus on the lack of life, we put our focus on the things that God isn't necessarily doing right now, then we lose sight of the things that God is actually doing. And I've learned in my life that that when you begin to pay so much attention to the works of the enemy, that he'll just keep you so busy that you become useless in the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we got to take ground, even when you're taking fire. Even, even in the midst of my of my enemies, he makes a table, which means that I'm pressing in into the... I'm not going to go walk out there. I, I'm pressing in to the, to the enemy's campground, and Jesus is taking care of me along the way. I mean, sometimes that's just the process. It's like... And in discipleship, I mean, we can deal with problems. Or I can deal with addiction. I can deal with deliverance. You want a demon? We'll deliver you. But it's like, you know what the real issue is? It's like we can get you delivered, but if you don't fill it back with with God's Word, with the Holy Spirit, Jesus says he's, he's going to come back with seven of his friends that are worse than him. I would begin to displace the demonic in your life with the Word of God. Like begin to equip people with the Word of God. If you know the Bible, the devil ain't got nothing on you. Jesus in the wilderness, how did he battle... This is Jesus. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He could have just like told the, he got all the stones, you know, the avenger stones. Jesus could have just said, devil, you know, you're gone. He could have done that, but he didn't. Because he knew that we had a battle and he wanted to show us how to do it. How did Jesus, he defeated the devil with the word of God. It's the word that we equip with the word. Which is why we're going to start as a church reading the Bible. Whew, oh, man. Revolutionary idea right here, buddy. Because we're not making disciples of Joe or David or Travis or Daryl or Desmond. We're making disciples of Christ, of Jesus. And Jesus gave us his word. And we're going to read the word of God. It's intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through authentic relationships. And we... We looked at that word. We, I was going to use uh, um, accountable relationships, but there's just such an unhealthiness about accountability nowadays. You know, it's like authentic. I want to be like real friends, like a real authentic friend. Like, I'm not just going to listen to your problems and give me give you solutions. No, I got problems too, and you're going to have to listen to my problems if you want me to listen to yours. Because we're real, we're, real, we're real people, okay? I have hurts too. And, 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 and a relationship that's just all about you pouring out and pouring out and pouring, that's inauthentic. And let me tell you, accountability is something that you it's like authority, it's something that you get under willingly anyway. I can't force you to be accountable. No more. How many of y'all got a CPA? If you don't have one, you need one. But like it's not like your CPA is calling you every week. Hey man, did you did you fill out your bank statement? Did you do all this? No, he's just like at the end of the year, he's like, you send him your stuff. And if you got it right, you got it right. If not, he'll help you correct it. I mean, that's accountability. It's an accountant. And we need to have our lives accountable, but not under some weird authority thing where people just telling you how to live your life. That's, That's not discipleship. Come on, that's manipulation and control. I should have filled it up, Travis. It's me, man. Every, every believer needs to be discipled. I was in a discipleship relationship for about, about 14 months with a pastor, John Musser, who I sat and read the Word with. We talked about the Bible. We did all these other things, and, and that's kind of it. So what are some of the goals of discipleship? It's not just that we disciple each other just for the sake of discipleship, right? Like, you got to have some goals, right? So I was like, okay, God, how are we going to make goals? So I came up with, it's acronym Sunday, right? Deep and all these other things, but it helps me remember, okay? So maybe if it helps me, but we want to disciple people to be saved, right? I mean, that's kind of the goal, that people are saved, and I believe that that's easy to remember, right? Every, come on, if you're saved, say amen. And, and, but being saved is like a process. Look, being saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ, the shed blood. You are saved in a moment. You went from lost to saved. In fact, in prayer, uh, Peter Dunn had shared just incredible revelation. Like when Jesus died on the cross, cross is usually over there. cross is right here, right now. When he died on the cross, like, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Every name. Every one of them. Every single name. Everyone. I mean, even those who are lost. Joe, you're a heretic. No, I'm not. Listen to me. Even those who are lost, right? Now, though, it's our decision to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of our life. Because it says that for those who reject Christ, their names are blotted out of the lamb's book of life. Is that some that's good that's revelation. Peter here today? Quoting Peter? He's not even here. Shane? That you, you didn't do that today. <laughs> it's all my inside jokes. I have friends. But it's like we need to be disciples. So what are the goals? Is that we have a scriptural foundation, right? Like it's the Bible. It's the it's the basis of our salvation is based upon scripture, that everything we learn, I mean, this was a challenge for me. I used to, I'm a pretty smart guy, and I mean, I'm a very humble, probably the most humble person here, and uh, okay, y'all don't get the joke, the joke, okay, I know, Travis gets it. I'm so humbled, I'm prideful in my humility, I'm just kidding, it's a joke, but like, I used to believe that my intellect, and my education, and my knowledge can sort out all my problems, but really, it just, that's just the the shovel that I use to dig holes with. And and it's like the Bible, so when we begin to base, like, am I going to date this girl or this guy? Well, what does the Bible say about that? You know, am I going to make this business deal? What does the Bible say? And actually using the Bible and having verses of Scripture as, as the backing, as the foundation for your very life. That's the outcome, the goal of discipleship, is that we know the Bible. We have the Bible in our hearts it is to have authentic relationships, and I talked about that. It's like actually having Christian friends who are friends, not just like church people who you can't really invite over because, for whatever reason, you know, invite me to your house. I don't care if you got liquor in your cabinet. I ain't scared of liquor in the cabinets, I promise you. I'm not going to say nothing about it. I'm not going to sit there and be the Holy Spirit for you. We got a Holy Spirit. Don't need me. That lives a victorious lifestyle, right? like what does that mean it means simply that 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 we are not bound up by the things of this world that we have victory in life that we are accomplishing the mission of Christ on the earth as disciples of Christ right that we've overcome the bondage of sin death hell and the grave through a relationship with Jesus man and let, all this it's not theoretical i'm telling you you can overcome the darkness in your life through Jesus that we become engaged in community that like discipleship should lead us to a relationship that goes beyond just church. It's like I want to see Christians in in government leadership, in school leadership. It's like all of you teachers who teach in Christian schools, I love you and I thank you so much for that. But would some of you go teach in public schools so that way they can quit teaching my kids all the junk that they're teaching, teachers have the greatest opportunity today to be evangelists in their community, to be a missionary to a public school. And it pays better. I mean, it's just the truth. But you're engaged in community. That's part of the discipleship process. And finally, to be a disciple maker, to be reproducible. See, it kind of ties into that vision statement that discipleship's intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through authentic relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit to reproduce faithful followers of Christ, that they are saved, scriptural, authentic, victorious, engaged disciple makers. I mean, that's kind of the goal. This is the vision for your church, friends. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to disciple people. And I'm believing that in, that that today, one of the most important things that we want to accomplish is that we disciple everybody in the body of Christ, not just the adults, but I believe that we should disciple the young adults, the youth, the kids. It's every, I've kind of adopted this phrase, every stage and every age on the same page. You know, my vision for this is that is that as we teach through the Bible this year, in, in, in here, we may talk about Noah or Abraham, and you dads, you can hop in your car and your kids and have a conversation with them about what they learned in children's church, and y'all can talk about the Bible, and you can read through the Bible together. This, this, is, this is the goal. So how are we going to accomplish it? We put together, Pastor Travis helped me. Helped me. Uh, can I get four guys? We've got some four ushers to quickly come. Uh, I think we got some picked out. Four ushers quickly come. I want I want you to give just one of these to to everyone and um, just pass those out for me if you don't mind. There we go. Just yeah. Pass those out. And I'll I'll kind of talk while y'all are. Once you get those, just hang on to them for a moment. But but it's important that, that we have some disciplines in our life, that we are discipling together, right? That we're going through the Bible together. So we're putting together some discipleship groups, and I'm gonna we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it's important that we all are reading the Bible on a daily basis. So we have in here just a great Bible reading plan, right? And once you get that thing, you can see that. I'm gonna talk about it. But but there's some different aspects of it, and and it's important. So these are some four, these are a few disciplines that a disciple should have in his life or her life. is Reading the Bible. You should develop a regular cadence for Bible engagement. That You should memorize scripture. It's like the Bible says that we should lodge it in our hearts, the word deep inside of our heart, and it never departs from us, right? It's like we should be able to just have the Bible, the word of God in our hearts. This is, I mean, I love the printing press. I love the internet and all these other things, but sometimes we use them as a crutch to not fully engage with the word. You still need to memorize scripture. That we should journal. That we should write those things that, that God has speak to. Man, I've been journaling now for a while. And let me tell you, friends, like that is a powerful process of, of helping the, the word of God get lodged into your heart. We should be journaling and creating a, a special cadence for journaling every day. Got about that much left. Prayer. We should be praying every day. And finally, those authentic, accountable relationships, that we should have relationships with others, that we're learning from one another. It's not just reading the Bible, it's not just praying, but actually having a conversation with other people about what you read. And what's really cool, if we're all reading the Bible, we have all, every age and every stage on the same page, then we have a whole church of people that we can talk about what we're reading in the Bible. We have a whole church of people that we can engage and, and, and talk about what we journaled and what God spoke to us today. So just take a look at this pamphlet real quick. It says on the front, it's just discipleship. This is part of our, our vision, and it talks about, and you see here kind of like the guidelines for how to journal. Some of you may journal, but some of you may not. And I honestly wasn't a great journaler, but here's some just guidelines. We like it's another acronym. Say, thank you, Joe. That's another acronym. It's the here. And let me tell you, man, when I'm, and the reason is to hear, because when you begin journaling and begin really digesting what the word, it's like God begins to speak to you. I believe that God is speaking to us. Most of the time, we're just not listening or we're too distracted by the, by the wind and the earthquakes and the, and the fire. But so here's simply this, it's highlight, like highlight each verse that speaks to you by copying it under the letter H, just write the letter H and, and begin to just say, Hey, look, man, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, really spoke to me. Just write the verse out and just begin to say, man, this is an amazing, explain it. What What does it mean? Why was it written? To whom was it originally written? Do the work of a little Bible study. If you have a, 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 a phone or computer, download the Blue Letter Bible app. It's free, but you can send them a donation too. And you can click on those words, and you can do word studies. It's got commentaries. It's got tons of information there. And you can begin to ask questions to unlock the Scripture and write it down, journal. I even got a new pen just for this year, my new journaling pen. It's a very nice pen. It's a Uniball Jetstream RT, .7 black, okay? It's the number one rated pen in 2021. You, You begin to apply... The word, Because it's not just enough to be able to explain it, but to apply it. Like, uncover the significance of each verse. You know, how can it help me? How does this apply to me? Let me tell you, if you just read the Bible and don't actually apply it to, the li- to your life, then you're wasting your time. Like, change something. How can I apply this? Maybe it's a perspective shift. Maybe it's a relationship shift. And then respond right out of prayer. And as you begin to practice these things, man, God begins to unlock things, Right? And then you could listen. I, I I've thought about this long and hard. Like, man, maybe we should have some organized structural discipleship groups. And I was like, you know what? I, if you want to do that, that's fine. You can go on our website. I'm going to show you all this in just a moment. There's a place where you can click, I want to be discipled. You click on that, it sends a message to Pastor Travis. Travis is going to call you, and we're going to get you plugged into a discipleship group. What is a discipleship group? It's a group of three to five gender specific participants. I don't want. You know, another single ladies being with the single men, Desmond. I know. Hey, but hey, you you sat in front of me. It's your fault. That's it's on you. No, it's it's gender specific because how many of you realize, like, man issues? Okay, I got to get past the. I'm no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Desmond. I'm sorry. Desmond's got a sense of humor. Desmond loves me, but. Single men are going to, or not men, not single, get off of the single part. Men, married men, men are going to open up and be able to have conversations about things that they can't have if a woman's there. You know what I'm saying? Discipleship is gender specific. Meeting together for 12 to 18 months with the purpose of multiplication, accountability, and exponential spiritual growth, right? It's intentional. It's becoming saved. It's having that focus. What does that group look like? You can read that right here, right? It's having a conversation, just real simply. Meeting once a week, uh, memorizing the, a verse of scripture that you'll find on the inside of the handout. It's it's talking about your journal, sharing what God's speaking to you. It's being accountable, talking about, man, did you know I'm having this issue at work? Okay, let's talk about. It. Let's pray for one another. Let's be there for one another. Let's love one another. That's a discipleship group. If you turn on the inside right here, we've got a nice reading plan. It's not every single chapter in the Bible, okay, but it's most of the most of them, and if you follow, we're going to start this on Monday, so Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Monday, we're going to start that on Monday, that's tomorrow, yeah, I, I know, yeah, start tomorrow, I mean, unless you had other plans, I mean, you know, but I'm going to read tomorrow, Genesis 1 and 2, and then do your journal, right, get connected with a group of people, three to five people, and begin to Connect together. If you want me to help you with that, go to our website. I'll show you that in a moment. And this is the really cool part. They have a memory verse there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Nobody dare me to quote that. Uh, but it's it's like talk about, memorize that church. And this is the really cool part. So this is how we're going to do this. Next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching uh, the theme for the next four or five weeks. On In the beginning, I'm going to actually be preaching on what you're reading and journaling about. And try to bring some insight and perspective, because I believe that, you know, that that we should be reading the Bible. We should be preaching about what we're reading, and then you can in your small groups, you know, Sam, in your men's group, you can talk about the same thing that I'm preaching about, that we're reading about, and everybody's on the same, the same page. You know, we're all kind of doing the same thing, and you're, for you men at home, your discipleship group could be your kids, and you can sit down and read that with your kids, and then when they go to church on Sunday, Pastor Ross is teaching them that, the youth pastor is teaching them that all this is taking place. I mean, isn't that cool? Does anybody think it's not? I think it's pretty cool. Amen. Man. I have a whole thing on education, evangelism and pastoral care, but I'll kind of I'll just skip that. Can we go to the website? Is that is that cool? We can do that. So I have him have him bring the website up on the screen. It's it may work. I, I'm, it was working earlier. So, um. Whoa, that's awkward. Okay, so that's our that's our website. I, I wanted to show you this because it's important. Again, it's like y'all ever been to Disney World, and you didn't know all how everything worked. It's miserable. But when you know what's what and where it's at. You can go, so that's our website, www.firstassembly.place, and uh, you go there, and they have this really cool screen. Scroll, go back, go back to the top for a second, go back to the top. So you see right here, it says you can actually, we have our marriage thing coming up, right? You can click on that, and it's going to take you to a farm, you fill it out, and then not only not only do you just, do we know you're coming, but you get all kinds of cool resource updates, we're going to email you some information, some videos, some booklets, changes, all that stuff. Like, you get in the know. You know everything that's going on. You just fill that in and it's real simple. So, okay, go back to the home page. Just want to show that real quick. So, you can go there. They have some cool stuff. If you scroll down, or in, okay, this, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I will, just for a second. You know, like, this. there's a whole generation that changed the way that they scroll on their mouse because of screens. Did anybody notice that? Nope, nope, I'm the only person. Okay. All right, anyway, so you can click on, as an example, like, you know, get to know us, our heritage, or our beliefs, and yeah, that's, you can get to know us, go back. And then then you can go to uh, our vision. So that's kind of where I wanted to go, just our vision, and that'll take you, scroll down or up, I don't know really what that is, to our different, our deep initiative. It talks about, discipleship, education, evangelism and pastoral care. And there's more information as you dig into that. So click on discipleship. And then there's there's some guys there. I don't know who those people are, but you know so what is discipleship? There's our definition. Discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through authentic relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit to reproduce faithful followers of Christ, right? Discipleship's part of a part of our thing. So these are our core disciplines for spiritual growth. These are just as a reminder. Uh, daily Bible study, journaling, scriptural memorization, okay, Uh, prayer, accountability, scroll on down. And then if you come here, you can click on that, get discipled, right? Like, I'm interested in discipleship. You fill out that form, and again, put as much information as you're willing to, and we're going to contact you. What's the best time to call you? We're going to call you, and we're going to help you get plugged into a discipleship group where you're reading the Bible, right, and and learning to be a, a Christian. Amen? to be saved, right? All those things. So so scroll down a little bit more. Then you can click there. There's a Bible reading plan. And that way, if you lose your form, you can come right here. And there it is. There's the form on the website. So pretty simple stuff. Okay, real quickly. And then we're going to close out. See, this is the instructional part. This is the, I like to preach and get excited and jump. And This is that transfer of information, right? But it's important. So can you go back one slide, please? Um back to our vision thing. And I want to talk about just real quick our care ministry, because that's an integral part of our pastoral care. If you click on that real quick, pastoral care is kind of like the blanket that is over our whole church. So how that works is, is that if you, if you're interested in being part of our pastoral care network, let me know. We have like 33 or 34 care pastors who are connected to five to seven families each, and they, They have a simple job of caring, right? It's it's another acronym, okay? It's another acronym, CARE. To connect, they're going to call you, text you, email you once a month. They're going to be available for you if you have an issue. Like, if you need to get a hold of me, the the fastest way to get a hold of me is to call your care pastor, okay? And then those care pastors, when they call, I answer, period. And that care pastor is either going to call me or they're going to call Pastor Daryl, okay? They, so they're available for you. They are your direct line to whatever you need from me, or from Pastor Darrell from the church. They're gonna, they're gonna, um, what is it? Respond. What's the R? Respond. Reach out. They're gonna reach out to you for you know just a, anniversaries. If you're there, you have a uh, birthdays, those kind of things. Time of need. They're gonna reach out to you. And also, they're going to exemplify Christian character, right? They're going to be an example to you of of what a good Christian could look like. Amen? So that's our care ministry, and we're always looking for care pastors. If you're interested in becoming a care pastor, uh, just, what Daryl, stand up, if you don't mind. Contact Pastor Daryl, and uh, we're going to have a training real soon on how to do that. It's real simple. It's so important. I, I mean, the reason that we have a care ministry network is because I mean as a pastor and as our church grows, right? It's super important for me to stay connected, right? Because the last thing I want is somebody to get sick, someone to go to the hospital, someone to lose a loved one and and me not know about it, right? I at least want to know and be able to respond and pray. So that's that care pastoring is kind of what that is part of the belonging system, right? It helps us to belong and be part of what's going on. So so uh is it how hard is it to go from a slide back to the website? Is it like easy or not really? Can we put the care ministry slide up? Yeah, put the care slide up, the care pastor slide, the care groups. Yeah, there you go. Go to the go to the next one, the the one with the groups highlighted. So part of that's like our care, our pastoral care network is kind of like the blanket, it's the foundation, it's the basis. But every once in a while, someone has an issue. They'll have a you know a problem, a addiction problem. They'll have a uh, maybe a codependency problem, or they'll have a, a marriage problem or a relational problem, and and so that's where our care groups really come into play. So it's kind of like a second tier of our care ministry, right? So we have some groups, some people who are trained and ready and equipped, and they have some groups established to help people through the just the issues of life. Maybe it can be a long-term relationship, short-term relationships. Not a discipleship group. It's a care group, right? It's a topically based care group. Does this make any sense to anybody? Okay. And then finally kind of on top of that we have like our care counseling. Sometimes if you're just dealing with an issue you need to talk to somebody. Uh Pastor Travis kind of runs our care our care counseling ministry, but you can talk to he's going to line you up, talk to you, talk to me, talk to Pastor Daryl, whoever you need to talk to. Uh if it's kind of a too big of a deal, we have our referral network. Well, we'll we'll connected to food pantry ministries, to homeless shelters, to Addictive Recovery Ministries, Team Challenge, The Way, uh, all of these things to be able to help you through a referral network that we have in place. Right? Amen? Make any sense? So I want to show you, can we go back to the website real quickly? Thank you, Sound Booth people, for being so good at what you do. I know it's hard to go back to the website. There we go. So, So if you want to sign up for a care group, remember, go to our vision, go to care ministry, then you can go right here to learn about our care groups and click info. And, uh, and honestly, you can go there and you can find more than just care groups. You can go to care groups. We have some small groups. We have equipped classes like our First Steps, our Foundations class. You can sign up for one of our care groups or our ministry groups. and There's a lot of groups that you can plug into, uh, but click on care groups. And we have eight care groups right now. And you can actually click on one of those uh, and, and just kind of get just, if you fill out the information, then that care group leader is going to reach out to you, let you know when they're meeting, what it looks like, what you need to do, give you some resources and all that kind of stuff. Somebody say amen. Okay, so go back. So go to the financial one. I know just because, uh, so financial success, as example, you click on that, it just kind of gives you a little bit of information about what it is, what are the dates of the meeting. So if you're dealing, if you want to have some, just some better financial success in your future, go to the financial care group. And, you know, Brother Larry, get plugged into there, and you can get some tools and some resources to help you out. Someone, somebody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay. So that's kind of what that's about. Um, also, um, another thing. Yeah, I think, man, that's. A, I think that's really all I got time for today. Amen. Whew, man. All right. So the Great Commission. And it's like time for us to launch out. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, it's we've. It's enough with the talking. Jesus is like, he stopped talking. That that was very intentional that they said that. They didn't have to say Jesus stopped talking, but he did. It's time like, okay, Joe, you need to stop talking. But like, I'm I'm ready to stop talking. I'm ready to launch out into into the deep. I'm ready to launch out into a greater relationship with Christ, to launch out to a more powerful relationship in this community. I want to really see the world changed by the gospel of Jesus. The world has been changed by the gospel. Maybe we don't see it, but it's different. I I mean, could you imagine a world without the gospel? You don't have to. Go to to North Korea. You know, go to Cuba. You know, these communist countries where they reject Christianity. Friends, we need to launch out. We need to take our, our step. We need to begin to propel our lives into Christ. Amen? Can we stand together here this morning? Worship team, would you come? And I know that there's a lot of information, but the main thing is I want to encourage you to, to start this discipleship process. It really starts with just reading your Bible. And we've given you a, a, a great resource, a great tool that you can plug into tomorrow and start reading your Bible. Week one begins tomorrow. And even if you start a discipleship group, I want to encourage you, don't start on week one. Let's say three weeks from now, you just, you decide to, start a discipleship group, just start on week three or four. Start where we are as a church so that way you can piggyback and we can kind of all work together to accomplish the mission of Christ. Amen. But it's time that we launch out. I mean, I'm ready. You know, there's this whole other aspect of education. I really didn't even have a chance to share here this morning, but like, but we have our midweek services. We have Bible study groups like Pastor Desmond's. We have marriage classes. We have a a whole internship uh, program that's really just going to continue to grow. How many of you know that we have a music school? For if you want to, if let's say you want to be part of our our worship team, but you don't know how to play an instrument, that's okay. We can help you learn how to play an instrument. We have the the tools and the resources to help equip you for that ministry. That you can learn a musical instrument. I mean, the the limitation is your ability to come talk to one of these pastors and say, "Hey, I need I need to grow." Amen. The limitation is your ability to go on our website, click that button, and say, I want to be discipled. I'm gonna make room in my schedule. My goal this year is to make room in my schedule, no matter what it takes, no matter what I got going on, I want to be available for people in my life who wanna grow. Now that's the, the other part of it. It doesn't mean we have to chase people around. Jesus said, You draw nigh unto me, I'm gonna draw nigh unto you. I'm not chasing people around for discipleship. Jesus simply said, Come and follow me. But some of you have people in your life that you're wanting to help and wanting to help them grow this is a great way to do that use the bible and talk about what the bible says and watch people's lives change for the power of the gospel amen